Uh, open your Bible, turn on your Bible app to the book of Ephesians. We'll be in chapter 1 today. And uh, as you turn there, I just want to say a welcome to all of you, especially if you are new with us. I've seen a lot of new faces and we are so thankful that you chose to join us, whether here at Mefford High or online today. Uh, we tr uh, just view you as a treasured guest with us, and we're so thankful. If you are new, uh, you may have seen our welcome tent. We have a gift for all of our first-time guests. So if you uh, missed that on the way in, please make sure you drop by on your way out. Uh, we have a, a gift bag that we want to give you uh, just for thanking you uh, for, for coming to join us today. And then also you'll notice that uh, when you came in, everyone received not only a worship guide with the game plan for today, but also this connect card. We would love for everyone to take 30 seconds and fill it out because uh, not only is God excited that you are here, we are excited that you are here. We want to get to know you. We want to serve you in any any way that we can, there's an opportunity for you to share some things with us on the back uh, if you so choose. So, uh, again, so thankful that each one of you are here today. Uh, if you haven't caught the memo, uh, this is the greatest weekend in Boston in 2022. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and declare it. I know the year is not over yet, okay, but uh, we had an amazing Good Friday service here. Uh, on Friday night, as we reflected on the death of Jesus in our place, on Saturday morning, we had five different uh, Easter egg hunts in the community. Kids were having a blast, eating more candy than their parents were okay with, but we were good with it, you know. And, um, and then, you know, tomorrow is Patriots Day, right? And Marathon Monday. And uh, it is just an awesome weekend. But there is no day greater than today because it is on this day that we remember the day that changed all of history when Jesus said, mm, three days is long enough in the grave. I'm going to come on out of here and let everybody know that I am race to life, back to life. And so, yes, we can get excited about Jesus uh, in this place today. But as we turn our attention to God's love letter that we most often call the Bible, uh, we're going to, to really see what God wants us to see. And so I have an overarching question for you to consider as you hear from God's word today. And that is simply this, what do you see? What do you see? The gift of sight, uh, the gift of sight is one of the greatest gifts in our lives. I was so encouraged this week to learn that there are some very amazing and merciful people in Florida who have started a nonprofit that provides cataract surgery to people in Need and they've named their nonprofit Vision is Priceless. Vision is Priceless. It's hard to disagree with the statement that vision is priceless. In fact, I would ask you this morning if you were to lose your sight, what price would you be willing to pay to regain it? I mean, even for those of us who have 
corrective lenses. If you're in the 75% of adults that have some type of corrective uh, lens like me, uh, you know what a value it is just to have your imperfect sight restored to 2020 vision. And we know this in a physical sense, but what I want to share with you today is that God not only has given us the gift of physical sight, but he wants to give us the gift of spiritual sight. There is seeing with our physical eyes, but there is seeing with the eyes of our hearts. And that is what a man named Paul wants to share with us today from Ephesians chapter 1. You see, he is going to invite us in to see life, see what what life is all about, why we're here, where this is all going. He's going to invite us to see with his vision. God has a vision. God has a vision for our world, a vision for our lives. And he wants to pull us in to his vision and help us see as he sees. And so I want to read verses 15 through 23 of Ephesians chapter 1 as we dive into God's word this morning. This is what the Apostle Paul says. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having, here it is, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above Every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray one more time as we receive from God's word. God, we ask that this morning you would Make our hearts receptive. God, I have no doubt based on who you are and what you've already said, God, that that you care for each and every person who is here today. God, you want to speak to them, not just in a generic way, oh, this is for everyone else, but God, you want to speak to each one of us personally. And so, God, we ask that you would give us eyes to see what you want us to see today and moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 
as we consider these words from Ephesians 1 this morning. I hope that you will see what God offers you through Jesus. I hope you will see what God offers you through Jesus. Paul is praying a prayer for some people that he really, really cares about. In fact, Paul spent three years of his life with these people in Ephesus, telling people about Jesus, helping them come to faith in Christ, showing them what it means to walk with God day by day through Jesus Christ. And so he is writing this letter back to them to encourage them in their faith. And he prays this prayer over them, and he begins by expressing gratitude for what God has already done in their lives. We see there are two reasons that he names from the beginning of why he is so grateful for them. Number one, he says that I am grateful for your faith in the Lord Jesus. In other words, these people had made Jesus the ultimate priority of their lives. And now Jesus became the reality from which all other realities in life derive meaning, satisfaction, and fulfillment. And so these people had their vertical relationship with God restored and renewed. They had faith in Christ. But one thing we love about following Jesus, I hope you found this out in your own life, is that when you follow Jesus and when you discover that God loves you and he invites you to love him in return, that his love is so transformative that it begins to change how you love the people around you. Can you believe it? Don't nudge the person next to you and say, you need to get to know God's love, but that's just how it works, right? I mean, when we know God's love, it changes the way we love others. And that's what Paul says. He says, not only your faith in Jesus, but your love for all of God's people, the saints. But then in verses 17 and 18, Paul moves to ask God to enlighten the eyes of their hearts through the work of God's Holy Spirit. And again, I just want you to consider that we can enjoy perfect physical vision but miss the spiritual realities of why we are here, what we should be about in life, and where God wants to take us, not just in this life but also in the life to come. There is seeing and there is seeing. It's, this is something of what Helen Keller talked about, the woman born deaf and blind, when she said, after becoming one of the most influential people of the 19th century, she said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. We can have sight, but we can have little to no vision. And Paul is wanting us to have a vision for life, God's vision for our lives. And so what I want to do as we work our way through Paul's prayer is I want to ask you three questions. Three questions about what you see. And they pertain to the three Hopes that Paul has for us that he, what does, what does he want us to know? What does he want us to, to see? What does he want to experience in our daily lives? It is hope, love, and power. And so my first question for you today is this. When you look at tomorrow, what do you see? 
When you look at tomorrow, do you see hope? Paul begins his prayer and he says that he wants them to know what is the hope to which God has called them. Now you say, Pastor Tanner, what are you talking about? What, is, what does the Bible mean when it says we, we should know the hope to which we have been called or invited into through Christ? And hope refers to a confident expectation that our deepest desires will be fulfilled. Okay, let me say that again, all right? Hope refers to a confident expectation that our deepest desires will be fulfilled. And this is so important. You and I both know, so important for a couple of reasons. See if you agree with me, okay? Number one, we need hope because there are so many things in life, so much brokenness in our world that can cause us to lose hope. I mean, we just see what happened this week in Brooklyn with the subway shooting. We, we, we look at what's going on in Eastern Europe over the past month plus and the war in Ukraine. We can see the vast and rising numbers of people who are struggling with anxiety and depression and addiction. And we can have our hope take a hit just a little bit, if not a lot. See, we need hope because there is so much brokenness in our world. But that's not the only reason. There's another reason. And that is we often hope in so many things that we think will deliver lasting fulfillment and satisfaction only to discover that those were in the end False hopes and empty hopes. I'm talking about things like work and relationships and degrees and achievement and the pursuit of pleasure. We need a sure hope, a lasting hope. You see, the, the kind of hope that Paul is talking about is not like, oh, I hope I will get that job or I hope that gas prices will fall soon. Like, maybe I will, maybe I won't, maybe they will, maybe they won't. This is a sure hope, a hope that we can count on. And why we celebrate with such excitement today is that we understand the hope of Easter is a hope that does not disappoint us. On Friday, when Jesus was crucified, according to his followers, the followers of Jesus, this would have been the darkest day. They thought that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, the king who would set up an earthly kingdom and, and move the Romans out, their oppressors, and set up justice and peace and righteousness. But they were shocked to learn that Jesus was crucified. And then on Saturday, this ominous cloud of doubt and despair and discouragement set in over their lives. But as my guy, Rich Villalotis, said this week, I love this. He said, when Jesus shouted out on the cross his final dying words, it is finished, he didn't say, I am finished. No, 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 no. Jesus was just getting started. Because on Sunday morning, against the pain, against the grief, against their despair and discouragement, a ray of hope shined when Jesus stepped out of that tomb. 
Jesus is alive and he brings us a hope that will not disappoint us. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have the greatest reason for the truest hope. And this is a hope that I hope you see today when you look at your life and you look at tomorrow that you see a sure and lasting hope. This hope is a personal hope. It's a hope that puts fulfillment and satisfaction into our soul. It's a hope that tells us we have both an abundant life now and an eternal life forever. This is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 6, when he was talking to his friend Martha, whose brother Lazarus had just died. Martha didn't know that Jesus was about to raise him from the dead. But she said to Jesus, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And what does Jesus respond to her? He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, this is true, if this is you this morning, will never die. And Jesus asked the question that he asks all of us today, do you believe this? When you look at tomorrow, do you have any fear of death in your soul? When you look out at tomorrow, do you do you have a confidence that we can enjoy life now and life forever with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and because of his glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday morning? This is the hope that we are invited into. This is the hope that we can grab a hold of once we see that God invites us into his story. But it just happens through, listen, through simple faith, through simple belief in Jesus, where we say, Jesus, I am trusting you with my life, and I am placing my life into your hands. This is how we receive the hope of Easter. This is how we receive a hope for today and tomorrow. And so I want to ask you, where do you place your where do you place your hope today? Are you hoping that you will just like maintain your, wor your wordle streak for another day? Like anyone, anyone like I'm at 28 and just if you're keeping score, Pastor Tanner is 28 for 28. I'm just saying I've never, I've never, wordle has never beat me and I declare in Jesus' name that I am not going down in 2022. I'm just saying, all right. But, uh, but, 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 but. Probably, if you're like me, you, you hope for a little more than just, you know, maintaining your, your word or streak. Um, you're saying like, no, 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 Pastor Tina, you're right. I, 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 I want to, you know, live a, a great life and, and I'm chasing after that dream job. And, and I want to make enough money to, to take care of my needs and, and those around me. And, and, and you know, I want to enjoy the, the best of human relationships with, with friends and family and, and enjoy all that life has to offer. And guess what? That, that is, those are all things that God wants us to enjoy. But deep down, we all long for something more. We all long for a better hope. And this hope is only found in Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis put it like this when he said, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. 
This is the hope that we have because of Jesus. When you look at tomorrow, do you see hope? But then number two, the second question I want to ask you this morning is this. When you look at God, do you see love? When you look at God, do you see love? As Paul moves into the second part of his prayer, he goes on and he prays that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened so that they'll know not just the hope to which they've been called, but what is God's glorious inheritance in his saints. Now, you probably understand that an inheritance refers to something valuable that's transferred from one owner to another, usually upon their death. And for most people, maybe not everyone, but but for many people, if not most people, an inheritance is probably going to be the greatest gift that you'll ever receive in life. I mean, I just want to give an opportunity for some honesty here today. Okay, who among us today, raise your hand just right now. If, if you would just be, you know, open to changing your name to Gates or Bezos, just, you know, when the time is right. You know, anyone, can you raise your hand, be honest? All right, I mean, I know we got some people that are against becoming billionaires. It's okay, you can lie today, all right. But I'm just saying, you know, most of us would sign up for that. And maybe if that didn't work out, you would fall upon the fortune. You know, maybe some Bostonian would follow in the footsteps of Portuguese aristocrat uh, whose name was Luis Carlos de Naranja Cabral de Camarón, who had no heirs of his own. But listen to this, true story. Picked out 70 random names out of a Lisbon phone book, and these were the people who inherited his wealth. I mean, I'm just saying, anything is possible. That's probably not going to happen for you, but anything is possible, all right? Um, but, but, but look, as we, as we take a closer look at what Paul is praying here, he's not talking about our inheritance. He's talking about God's inheritance. And this is, this is going to blow your mind this morning. I know it is. God's inheritance... Is us. God's inheritance, what God deems valuable, are his people. It says right here that, that they, he prays they would know God's, the, the riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints. And in biblical terms, a saint is not like the most godly, most influential person person, you know, in church history, a saint is anyone who follows Jesus, who's been changed by the grace of God. And so God is saying, you are my inheritance. You are what I deem valuable. Can you believe that this is how God feels about you? Can you believe that God loves you like this? Listen, God loves you more than you've ever thought about loving someone else. The greatest expressions of our love are only faint whispers of the love that God has for his people. He speaks over us and says, you are incredibly valuable to me. I call you glorious. I look upon you with complete pride and unrivaled affection. You are my inheritance, the treasure that I am waiting for. 
You see, yes, we can get excited thinking we're for that. Because listen, listen, most of us think, like, oh, I've got God figured out. God exists and he's up there and he, you know, he may not put it like this, but he just exists to kind of boss me around and tell me what to do. Or, you know, God's like got his tally, you know, book out there and he's just checking off in my performance. And if I do enough good things and perform enough good deeds. But God is saying, no, 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 no. You, you, you don't understand who I am and, and what I'm really about because I love you just because you are you. I love you because you have seen who I am and you've stepped into to, to, to my love and, and, and I am pouring out my love on you day after day after day after day. This is an astounding discovery to learn that God delights in us. It's an astounding discovery that can cure our insecurities. I mean, I, if we're being honest, we all have some insecurities, right? Like to one degree or another, we care a little too much about what people think around us. But I'm just telling you that when we discover the love of God, we can say stuff like this. I want you to like me, but I don't need you to like me. I mean, I want you to like me. I want you to, you know, but, but I don't need you to because why? Because God loves me. Because God really, really likes me. This, this holds massive potential to change our mental and emotional health and state. When this truth gets down deep into our souls, it can fill us with a different level of confidence and joy as we move through life. And you say, Tanner, this, this sounds pretty good. I would like to get in on this. I want to I know God's love like this, but how can I be sure? How can I be confident that God looks at me like this, that God loves me like this? And how we can be confident is by looking back to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what it talks about in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 when it says this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Don't get it twisted. God doesn't love you because you are lovely. God loves you because he loves you. And our love for God is a response first to his love for us. And so I want to ask you one more time. When you look at God, do you see love? God loves you more than you can imagine. But then number three, here's the last and final question. When you look at today, do you see power? When you look at today, do you see power? One thing that I love about the life of Christ and the kingdom of heaven is that God is not just interested in giving us a hope for tomorrow. Some people reduce Christianity to that. Some people think it's like, I just get my ticket to heaven, punch and I'm all good. But no, God wants to give us not just a hope for tomorrow. God wants to give us power for today. 
Verse 19, he goes on and he says that I pray that you would see, that you would know, that you would experience what? The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. I hope you see here how Paul is just stacking term after term after term to communicate the unlimited power of God to affect his change in us and through us. He uses all of these terms, the strongest words he can find. He, he talks about immeasurable greatness. Some translations say surpassing greatness or incredible greatness or incomparable greatness. And he says that this is coming to us according to the working of God's great might. But then to elevate his prayer even further, he goes on in verse 19 and 20. And he says that this great might is according to the same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the heavenly places. I mean, happy, it's like Paul saying, happy Easter. This, this power, listen, the same power that caused Jesus to rise from the dead, Paul is saying it is now, if you follow Jesus, it is now available and at work within you. I mean, does that just like blow your mind just a little bit? I mean, some of you, if you're texting your friend about it, like, you should find the mind-blown emoji. I like that guy, by the way. It's like, you need to find the mind-blown emoji because, I mean, here's a question. How much power does it take to make someone who is dead undead? I would say it takes a divine, supernatural, dare we say, miraculous power. And Paul is saying this power that caused Jesus to be raised from the dead is now at work in every single one of us. And if that wasn't enough, if that power didn't raise our level of confidence to know that God has given us the strength for everything that we need in life, Paul goes on and he says in verses 21 through 20 that this is the same power that caused Jesus to ascend to heaven and be seated at the right hand of God where he reigns over everything. It's the same power that causes Jesus to uh, rule over every spiritual force. It's the same power that gives him the name that is above every name, not just in this age, but also in the one to come. It's the same power that just to make sure everything is covered, places all things under the feet. In other words, under the authority of Christ. He is saying there is no greater power than the power that is on display in the life of Christ. And Jesus has given his life to you. That means he has given his power to you. It's wild. It's amazing. It should cause us to step back. If you're saying, what does this mean for me? It means everything. Because here's a, here's a theological question for you as we think about what is being prayed for here. Is this a power that, pray, that Paul is praying that they would uh, receive or is it a power that they would know that they already possess? It's, it's the latter, right? He's not, he's not praying that they would receive a new power. He is praying that they would know a power they already possessed. And so listen, this is, this is what I want to say this morning. Because the same power 
that raised Jesus from the dead is now working in us by his spirit, there is no opportunity you can't step into and there is no challenge you can't step through. No opportunity you can't step into and no challenge you can't step through. Resurrection power is in us. Somebody say, if you follow Jesus, somebody say, I have the power. Say it like you mean it. I have the power. You do. You have the power. You have the power. Listen, you have the power to love people with a divine kind of love. You have the power to live each day with the joy of heaven inside of you. You have the power to walk through sorrow with a supernatural peace. You have the power to serve others, seek justice, and extend a forgiveness you never thought possible. God has given us his power. When you look at your life today and you see that all God has invited us into, do you see a power for living? This power is ours through Jesus. And so this morning, listen, this morning as we bring our time to a close, I want to, I just want to encourage you one more time. See what God offers you through Jesus, through the life of Christ, through the death of Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus. God is offering us a hope for tomorrow. He is extending a wild and unimaginable love to us that we can experience every single day from now and through eternity. And he is inviting us to know a power that is going to enable us to live the life that he has called us to live. And so what I want to do as we wrap up our time, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God has shared with us today through his word. If you are anything like me, though I have followed Jesus for many, many years, you would say, God, I want to see more clearly. I want to live my life with a spiritual vision. When I look at tomorrow, I have a lot of confidence because there is a hope in front of me. And when I walk with you daily, God, I know that I don't have to perform my way to your love. But God, you just love me because I belong to you, because I am your inheritance. And God, that as I move through today and tomorrow, you have given me a power for life. God, help us to see it. God, help us to see it. In, in whatever way that we can pray for you and support you as a church, we want to do that. It would be your greatest gift to us to let us know how we can serve you and pray for you. That's why we've given you these connect cards. You'll see on the back, there's a, there's a question. It's pretty bold. You can't miss it. How can we pray for you? And maybe there's something going on in your life that, that you just would say, hey, pray for me. Pray for a loved one. Pray for this or that that's challenging. Or I just, I just need some prayer. And whatever that is, we want to pray for you. And we commit. Our, our pastors, our leaders, we will pray for you. We will keep these confidential. But then maybe you would just simply say, more hope. More love. 
more power. What, whatever it is, I want you to take out the pen we gave you when you walked in and, and begin to fill this out because we want to know how we can pray for you. But then also, listen, we're sure that there are some of you today that are saying, look, I want to go all in with Jesus for the first time. Like I've never, I've never truly turned my life over to him. I've never truly believed in him in this kind of way where he is the hope that I'm living for. He is the love that I am receiving and he is my power for every single day. And so if that's you, just let us know so we can help you begin your spiritual journey and learn what it means to follow Jesus day by day. Maybe some of you say, I, I want to learn more. This, this, this interests me. That's great. We want to walk with you as well. Listen, whatever we can do to support you in your journey. This is why we started a church a decade ago in Mefford, Massachusetts, because we want everyone to know how great our God is. And so I want to pray. And as I pray, you can fill out this card so that we can uh, support you and journey with you as you learn to follow Jesus. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for the resurrection hope that is within us. God, we thank you for the hope that we have for tomorrow, the love that we receive every single day, and the power that we can live with. And so, God, it's, it's our prayer today that you would speak to our hearts and that you would move us to respond as you lead us. God, whatever it is, help us to take that step of faith that you're calling us to. And God, we know that whatever it is, if it's for someone the first time saying, I want to follow Jesus to just, hey, I followed Jesus for a long time, but just give me more vision of your hope, power, and love. God, whatever it is, we know this. We know that all of heaven is rejoicing. That just like on Easter Sunday, when heaven erupted in praise, in victory, because our God is alive. God, you're going to do that again. Heaven is going to rejoice again because we are taking steps to follow Jesus. It's in his name that we pray today. Amen.